Hello again. Welcome to Venture Poland podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully uh, you guys are keeping well. Obviously we've got this pandemic situation here globally, but just for a moment, let's uh, forget about the pandemic. Let's forget about the virus. Uh, let's think about the future. Um, let's have a look into some of the most interesting technologies uh, that are being developed uh, worldwide. Uh, which is not that widely used just yet. In my opinion, we are maybe not on the verge, but uh, probably somewhere between uh, like a maturity of the technology uh, and then uh, widespread across different industries. And we're talking obviously about VR, so virtual reality. Uh, today I have invited uh, Marek Antoniuk from Riftcat, a small VR startup uh, that's been funded in Poland, in a city that's not really recognized by startup ecosystem in Poland. Uh, they are from uh, Białystok. And to be frank, I think that's actually an advantage because uh, regardless of the situation, they have managed to really grow the company to be globally known. So this is the type of guest that we should all aim to learn from and uh, from my perspective i'm really glad that we've managed to connect and uh, we have managed to uh, record this episode uh, we will talk about uh, vr in general we will talk about riftcut and their uh, v-rich uh, technology and we will talk as well about things that a successful startup should do enjoy today's episode make sure to leave a comment make sure to share if you liked this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startup founders, managers and engineers, so we can all learn from them. Enjoy today's episode. Marek, thank you very much for accepting the invite for uh, the podcast. I'm really glad that uh, regardless of the situation outside, we still managed to record uh, podcasts. So thanks for checking in and let's just uh, start with the questions. Give us a quick overview of uh, VRidge and the Riftcut. Yeah. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, so Riftcut is, um, is, uh, is developing a software called VRidge. And this software is making virtual reality technology more accessible to people because you have two branches of virtual reality, mobile virtual reality and PC virtual reality. And they have a bit different technologies included. Mobile virtual reality is uh, usually much cheaper because you can buy a mobile, very inexpensive viewer that you can use paired with your phone to achieve a VR 3D effect. And it's cheaper, but uh, the capabilities are limited due to the uh, mobile system um, computing power. On the PC virtual reality, you have the best experiences because you have the powerful PC to, to power the, uh, the experience. So what VRidge does is uh, you install the software on your mobile and on your PC, and your PC starts to think that your mobile phone is an expensive PC VR headset. So you can basically become a PC VR gamer or use any 
uh, high quality experiences available on PC with these uh, inexpensive mobile virtual reality headsets. So you combine the two basically, and part of part of the process is probably some kind of uh, compression because you have to do some. Uh, uh, streaming from your computer to the mobile phone. I think uh, it's going to be very interesting for us to uh, hear a bit more about how it works. Like, uh, maybe not in details, but I'm really curious. When you actually said that just a moment ago, I was like, hang on a second. So how this, you know, really works? Yeah, so... As you said, it's uh, using the streaming technology. And as you said, it connects both worlds. And that's why the name it's like bridge, but bridge, uh, like a, a wordplay. So it works by uh, streaming the video with the lowest possible latency, because any any latency introduced in the between the movement and the image that you see will cause you nausea. So what Virage does is it takes the um, the image available on your PC, it streams it uh, through the Wi-Fi uh, using uh, encoders and all that technological stuff um, that you can see in GeForce Now service or other streaming services like Netflix, for example. Uh, but the difference is that we need to do it as fast as possible. So the moment the, the frame leaves the PC, it has to arrive on your mobile device uh, as soon as possible. And into another direction goes the um, the tracking data. So your head movements has to go back to the PC. So we send that from gyroscopes available on your mobile phone. And this uh, combined makes it um, workable in virtual reality uh, and make, it allows you to play PC VR games um, that way. Okay, brilliant. It's very, very interesting. Could you tell us a bit more about uh, the company? Uh, and uh, maybe the reasons behind uh, why did you start off? Okay, so for now we have five employees working full-time, including me and uh, and uh, other shareholders. Um, we are a small company, but we have uh, some pretty impressive numbers, like um, almost, I mean, I didn't check it for some time, but I think it's over half a million registered users in our platform worldwide. Um, most of them comes from the US, whole of Europe, some of Asia. Um, and uh, how did we start is that we basically got convinced that startuping is awesome through Imagine Cup competitions organized by Microsoft. Um, during our studies, we had some teachers that were very into it, that startups are cool. Uh, and it was pretty much the beginning of the startuping scene in Poland. It was a pretty new thing. Um, so we basically went a little bit crazy instead of chasing very sure money coming from becoming software developers and becoming just an employees. So we went kind of crazy and went into um, into creating our own business. Uh, we failed several times. I mean, uh, there was always something that um, that stopped us from getting any revenue or we did something wrong. But in the end, we ended up with Virage, which works pretty much great. We are um, on the market for almost, yeah, almost five years already. Uh, and we are self-funded mostly right now. Our revenues cover our costs. So I'd say that's pretty great for a startup. It is actually impressive because for me, when I uh, visit, uh, you know, events for uh, startups or investment uh, companies. It seems to me like it is a very, very uh, difficult to start off with a startup. But 
Uh, to your point, and actually thinking about uh, myself and my business here, uh, some of the people who actually make the best uh, solutions, which are successful, they don't really go out that often because they're too busy working. So you guys have been uh, very busy over the last five years, probably. Yeah, that's true. And actually, we are not attending too many events. I don't remember which one was last. the last one. I think we... I personally applied to to Pixel Heaven in Poland, if I recall correctly, but uh, but it was just uh, it, it it wasn't something that we put a high priority on. It was just we visited to showcase some of our technology, but it did it, it didn't sure. bring any fruits for the company. So so we basically try to av avoid offline events sure. because we have we have no goals there, right? We are not seeking investment. We we have no clients there because we are B2C market instead of B2B. So it's hard to find sure. uh, find customers there. So so we are more more or less in the shadows doing our sure. jobs. And... Sure. Okay. Brilliant. So um, what was uh, in that case? Because you said you've started with other ideas. Uh, was it as well uh, around the VR uh, technology or something else maybe? Uh, one was uh, we created Phobos, which was um, an idea to use virtual reality technology to help psychotherapists um, with desensitization techniques uh, for people with phobias. But this was the uh, like the, the idea was there, but the problem was that um, mm. there was no we couldn't figure out a good enough business model to to be able to build a company around that. So. Then we switched to the idea to create um, Steam-like Steam um, games platform that could sell games, uh, but it would be dedicated to VR games. And we went for it at the beginning. Uh, this was the time when Oculus didn't have Oculus Home on their, or Steam didn't really focus on any VR games. So, so it seemed like a good idea, but uh, well, later on they went into this and it's hard to compete with corporations with high amount of money. So then when we were running out of money, we thought that we have to make a quick pivot sure. and do something. So we created a prototype of VRidge. Uh, we posted about it on Reddit with one GIF image and it skyrocketed and we gained more registered users in an hour than we gained um, in half a year for our platform for selling games. So, uh, so yeah, so that was a bit, I'd say it was a bit lucky. It was like a last ditch effort to, to, to help the situation. But from that point on, we were able to build up and build up and build up and we are in the position that we are right now and uh, i'd say i i mean i'm not going into like a financial details but i'd say we are on a very solid footing right now brilliant that's very interesting the story you said about uh, posting your um, achievements let's say for the prototype on um, uh, reddit uh, was it something that um, you consider as luck or did you try on many different platforms as a marketing or uh, almost sales activity what what did you try to achieve there because i think this is a very interesting scenario that we need to cover here for other startups maybe okay so we didn't have the money so we couldn't afford any marketing agencies we couldn't afford uh, doing any basically any paid actions that we could like for example PPC campaigns on Facebook or AdWords 
would be too expensive to acquire anyone. So what we had to do is that because our technology was pretty novel at the time, because we had no like very good competitors, there was one, but his software was pretty bad. We had a wow factor. So we decided to just simply make a um, very short video showcasing yeah. how it works, just a video of the phone in front of the monitor showing how fast the streaming works and how you can create your own PC VR headset for, for a couple of bucks. And we thought that this is a good idea that will um, quickly catch someone's attention on uh, social medias. So we chose Reddit because we, we use it every day. So we knew that this is a, a place for inter some international attention if it's going to rank up high because people will upvote our post. And this is what happened. I mean, it was one of the tries that we did. I don't remember exactly where we where else we posted. We posted it on Facebook and other groups. But this was the, I'd say that this was the most successful because Reddit uh, posted it. Mm -hmm. uh, we posted it on Oculus subreddit at the time. It went to the top. Um, it was able to hold at the top for about 24 hours. Uh, and then people shared it further onto another subreddits, and this is all. This is how it start. It, it all started. So I'd say it's a bit of luck, but yeah, of course we we helped this luck a bit. We we uh, came out to the market at the right time. We showed the product. Uh, for example, today it wouldn't make um, that much uh, noise, right? If if we posted the same GIF right now, when there are competitors like us and other competitors, then people would be like, oh, okay, great, but what do you do differently that, than sure. the other guys, right? But at the time, we were kind of the first. So I'd say from the... the uh, from the perspective uh, of uh, a typical startup, we had a very great timing for this, Perfect. Um, which helped us a lot. And from that point on, we uh, we did a great job by sustaining the, our growth uh, through organic traffic mostly. But the way our system is created, where we require registration to... Um, to have a longer trial time, it also helps a lot because we are building a huge user base which we have a mailing to so we can always reach out to them instead of, like for example, having a lot of users but have, having no way to reach them again to showcase them another products or or that something's changed or being be, to be able to upsell them any other products, right? Sure. Okay. Understood. So let's maybe talk about the current state of VR development globally, because obviously things have changed uh, over the last few years. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not a very big gamer. And when it comes to VR, I have tried it maybe two or three times on trade shows. And this was more related to some kind of uh, health and safety related applications where you need to do certain things to make sure that the uh, you know the big construction machines don't harm you or you know whatever it's it's you know i can see a lot of different applications for vr you're obviously in the uh, gaming uh, side of it but i would like to understand uh, your perspective on uh, globally how vr uh, changes uh, i don't know the society or maybe how we will get impact by uh, vr soon give me some thoughts here okay so basically as you said like I'd say that most of our users are using our technology for gaming and we mostly advertise it that way. But the truth is, is that uh, 
the modern virtual reality was created with gaming in mind and was the, the, the main target for them at the, at the beginning. But, but B2B market is also using it extensively. As you said, it's, um, it has a multitude of, um, of potential um, functions that he can serve, for example, teaching and, and many others that can be uh, done in virtual reality. And how it's going to change our world, it depends on uh, how fast the technology will become mainstream or if it uh, it will ever be because two years ago it was uh, i'd say that vr was on the brink of of death but recent releases of uh, games for example valve half-life um alex that was just recently released uh, gained a lot of attention in the gaming community so uh, so vr is becoming more and more popular and the more popular it will get, the more people will be used to it. I mean, right now for you, for example, VR is a technology that you tried at the trade show, right? It's not a tool. It's not a tool you consider for your everyday job. But there are some um, professions that I'd say could use VR on a daily basis. Architectural designers that, for example, have a small company that they um, design an interior for the apartments. They can use virtual reality technology to show uh, people their apartment before it's even built, how it will look like, how the, the furniture will look like. They can basically put a person there and change it on the fly. So, so this is a great prospect, which I think would greatly um, create value for, for these people. And this is just a one example, right? Um, there was a case of a doctor that uh, that performed an operation by being consulted by another doctor that watched everything in virtual reality from several thousand kilometers away. So there's a like a multitude of um, of things that can be figured out, and tech-savvy people uh, will of course use it faster. But the the best is ahead of us when the people that are not into technology will start thinking about how to use it. That's that's the point where we are going to see like a really, really um, huge change in work environments using virtual reality technology. Okay, very, very uh, interesting insight. I think it's a very possible way uh, that this will uh, develop in the future. Um, I would like to ask you about uh, your technology a bit more and uh, maybe the whole process of publishing an app on uh, Google Play or uh, Apple's uh, marketplace for apps. So is there anything uh, that you could potentially share with us that would be of any help for startups? Mm, so uh, publishing the app itself is pretty easy because Google and Apple make a pretty good job at um, helping you along the way. Um, but generally, if I had to provide any insight on how to release their own app, I'd say the biggest challenge is to figure out how to handle taxes and accounting for for any income from these stores because it's not really that simple and uh, um, and it can get a bit complicated, uh, especially that uh, especially on Google, right? Because they are using a bit of aggressive tax optimization, which causes um, a lot of uh, strange files that you need to download and combine them together to figure out how much tax do you have to actually pay. So, so I'd say that's the biggest issue in terms of technology itself. 
if you can code a basic application, you won't have any issues posting them on the um, on the stores, right? Of course, of course, having a great description, screenshots, and all that matters. Uh, it's called uh, oh, I forgot. Sure, uh, it's the CEO, but for the app stores, and I don't I don't remember the, the exact name, but it's basically uh, means that the the app store optimization that you can do with text, etc., to make your app better, like easier to discover. But this is like a marketing stuff that I'm not too strong in. Okay, but uh, you know what? Let me rephrase the question because I think I would like to go a bit more into details here. And it's not the details on how to actually, you know, press the button to uh, publish it. But I was more thinking about uh, what do you have to remember before you actually publish your app. So in terms of preparing your app, you do maybe some additional testing. Let, let me think of a mistake, let's say. So you've done your app, let's say first release, and it was full of bugs because you haven't tested it properly. And then people just, uh, you know, uninstall it all the time. So I'm, I'm more thinking about this kind of tactical, uh, let's say, hints here before you hit the publish button. What do you need to remember about? Okay, so there are multiple strategies for this, but I'd say that if you are doing an app, not a game, because the games are a bit different, mobile games, but if you're doing an app that is uh, intended to, for example, increase productivity, then I think that the rule of failing faster is, is the right way. I mean, if you have managed to finish the app because it's also hard to to be consistent and be able to finish your product and release it if if you'll do it and then people don't like it or uh, say that it's buggy or something like that then then just release updates for it i mean it's um it's as simple as that i mean if if you have an idea, you just execute it. And if it doesn't work, you work, uh, you learn from, from the mistakes and you try to, to make them like disappear and to make everything better. So that's what you should do when releasing the app. You release the app, you see the feedback. You can, of course, name it that it's an, an early access or it's a beta version. So, so the, the, the bugs are expected. So people will be more forgiving for you. Um, but I don't think that if someone downloads your app and it's it has bugs, uh, that it's the end of the world. Because there are always new users that can try your app and they will not be discouraged if they will use the, the fixed version. So simply iterate, work on, on what you have and, and try to, um, to figure out what can you do to make your app better. Okay, understood. Um, let's talk about the business now for a moment, if that's okay. Uh, I would like to ask you about the payment um, structure for your uh, application, because what struck me was the fact that you can buy the app without any subscription plans. Everything is now subscription, you know, so so why, why did you choose this path? And uh, let's talk about it for a moment. Okay, so... Coming back to the the history of our team that I said that we were um, very close to, to running out of money, uh, we first thing that we thought about VRich when we did it and it became popular and that we needed to make some money, we thought that 
hey, we need to make money and we never did any serious money before with our projects, then let's keep it simple to make it simple and then we'll worry about it, right? That's the first thing that we thought. The second thing that we thought is that the competitor that was pretty pretty bad at the time that I mentioned, um, he had uh, the same business model. He was a one-time payment, so we couldn't go above that too hmm. much because people would simply say that, hey, the, 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 your competitor is cheaper. So it's a combination of us being scared uh, and inexperienced and, uh, and uh, competi- the, the environment that our competitor created. So that's why we went for this business model. And now it's, um, it's this is basically the Virage business model with our numbers of users, etc. cetera. Uh, our business model is the reason why we are a five-man company, not a, not a, like a 50-people company, sure. right? Because the, the user value, the potential user value that we can that get from, uh, from a single acquisition of user uh, is pretty low. So that's why we are introducing like a, like game work technology that extends like upsells the reach a little bit, um, and and we are figuring it like creating right now another uh, lineup of products that can uh, that can increase our revenues. But that that's the main answer for for why we are having this business model. Right. But actually, it's it doesn't have to be bad because like due to the oversaturation of subscription models when it's because everyone wants to make a subscription model right now and uh, mm. they often put it in a place when it doesn't fit right uh, a lot of uh, games generally are being sold as a one-time payment so basically we can say that virage is something like it, right so you, you basically pay uh, pay to use it once and, and it's all right. The, the difference is that games usually lose support after a year or, or even less and we are supporting our software for, for five years and updating it. But uh, we, uh, we did our lessons, so that's why we are now extending the lineup of our products and we are going to, to work towards scaling our revenues right now. Sure. Okay. Talking about scaling then, You've mentioned that at the beginning, uh, you, well, obviously you didn't have money and then you tried uh, different uh, uh, tactics, let's say, to market your app. And uh, when you think about it now, uh, is there anything specific you do to uh, show your uh, product to people? Are you using any specific ads or how do you approach sales? Okay, so right now, at this moment, most of our sales are coming from organic traffic. Our marketing is a bit um, chaotic, I'd say. I mean, not chaotic. We have a, we have a standard way mm-hmm. of operating when we release updates. We, re- we issue a press release. We use our social media to announce it. We send our email newsletter, which is usually the biggest uh, boost into our traffic. We also create uh, promotions for VRich uh, with discounts that also works really well. We also have an automatic CRM in place. So when someone registers, he receives emails with certain intervals trying to, to upsell the, the person that, that registers uh, for VRich. But generally, I'd say that most of our traffic and scaling comes from organic traffic because no matter what we tried, like PPC campaigns, um, paying mm. YouTubers to, for, to promote our app, generally the return on investment is below 100%. So... So we lose more money than we than we receive due to our business model. So 
we are in this kind of a limbo where we are a relatively successful startup that that gets thousands of visits every month, but it's kind of our out of our control. I'd say this is the main the the last challenge that we have is that the moment we figure out how to work with marketing and our tools to scale up traffic, mm. this is the moment when we become the unicorn, right? And right now we are just a relatively, relatively successful startup. So that's the, the main issue. And what we do right now, for example, we are running PPC campaigns. They, they actually burn money, but this is something that we use to sure. gather data about the conversion rate and how it all works. Uh, we are also trying to to acquire YouTubers that could showcase our app that are tech related, etc. But it, it's all mostly uh, mostly just tests to see how how, for example, conversion rates changed when we introduced an update, um, and and how how people react to such ads. Et so, uh, have you ever thought about um, pivoting into B two C B two B? Sorry, B two B is uh, well we we get a lot of offers to do something in B2B space. We even worked for HTC and uh, the, the, the H quarters in Taiwan uh, to make them an, an application in virtual reality streaming. But generally what we don't like about B2B is that we have zero experience. We basically would have to start from scratch because we have no experience in pricing, in determining the, the the longevity of the project, what would have to be done. So we are a bit in our safe space right now, and we feel that there is a lot of potential for us in B2C market because um, right now we figured out how to increase our sales, and we did a really great job with Game Warp extension, and we want to push it further and do um, do another app related to that and to use our big user base, email user base uh, with it to, to scale the revenues. And we also have a mobile game in production that we would like to basically enter the mobile gaming market. The competition is bigger, but but it's a bit more known market. There, there is no, like everything that could be discovered on this market is uh, is basically on the internet with guides and everything. It's it's much easier because it's something that people know. It's not uh, completely new territory. Okay, very interesting. So you're trying different things, and you're still you're still trying to figure out which direction you're you're gonna go for. And um, you know, looking at the website, looking at your uh, news on Twitter and other accounts on social media. And now listening to you, you know, big big words of congratulations uh, because you've you've done so far a great job. It really takes a lot of work to sustain, you know, two, three, four years of work. So you know, great job for the whole team. And I do have some more questions uh, before we finish off um, that are related to the way you run the business. Uh, I would like to ask you, what did you learn recently that? Uh, you know, helps you run your company as a manager, as the owner or, you know, founder? What would that be? What did I learn? I'd say that Game Warp release uh, was a, a, a huge, huge uh, learning experience because it was the, basically it was the, I'd say it was the first time when we 
anticipated something and it really happened. I mean, in commercial way, because for example, when we released Vreach, we were like, okay, maybe we'll we'll be able to cover basic expenses and okay, it's, it, 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 maybe it will be a good start, but it skyrocketed much higher than we expected. So it didn't didn't work in a way that we anticipated. And everything we did over five years, usually it was something that like created, like we, we thought that something will bring us a lot of traffic and it didn't. And that some there was something that we did that we thought that is just a minor thing and it happened to be something game changing. But Game Warp release uh, was, um, by Game Warp, I mean the, the extension to VRidge that allows the VRidge to play non-VR games as well. Uh, and it's being sold by an, with additional payment of uh, $10. Or if you are buying Virage in a bundle, then you are saving $5, $5 on it. So you can have Virage plus, uh, plus uh, Game Warp for 20 bucks. So this is the first time that we did something and it worked as we anticipated, which is a great, like, it was a very, very satisfying thing. And the, the expectation was that if we'll introduce Virage as a bundle, it will not be like something that sells like crazy because it's an extension, but it will upsell Virage to uh, to convince people to buy Virage not for 15 bucks, but for 20 bucks with uh, Game Warp together in a bundle. And most of the people buy the bundle. So, so it worked as expected. Our revenue increased and it all happened in the way we expected. So that's probably the, the best for me, that was the, the best teaching lesson that I had in, in a while. It showed us what we should do to scale our revenues. Because before we were focused too much on improving the product itself to increase conversions, which didn't move high enough to, to make a difference for the whole company. So we finally learned that we need to increase the product lineup. Okay, understood. So you are now more confident in your work, basically, and uh, the results, they speak for themselves. Exactly. Sure. You know what? Uh, on that note, I will uh, share with you and with the audience as well a very interesting story uh, for uh, from, from my world, let's say here. Uh, uh, what we've done that was probably around two years ago it might be interesting for you guys as well because this this really works believe it or not but it's but it really works we have announced to our customers that we will be increasing the price in two months and we have done you know a series of newsletters to them listen in two months we are increasing the price for the diagnostic test let's say because we have like a therapy for children and you know people can check on my linkedin what we do basically we have diagnostic tests and then we have the therapy uh, service let's say online and the diagnostic test was let's say 40 dollars and we said uh, okay in two months it's going to be 60 dollars and uh, nothing happened at first but then uh, when I started reminding people with the newsletter and with, you know, text messages and calls that um, it is going to go up, uh, people started purchasing it. And uh, it was like one of the best months for sales for us. And the, the price stayed the same after we have uh, changed it. So it might be a very interesting thing to do for you guys in the future. Maybe not, not you know, you don't do everything at once. But maybe in the future, for us, for us, it worked. Actually, we did something similar with Game Warp release. What we did is that because some people that already purchased Virage, they lost the option to buy it, buy Game Warp in a bundle, right? 
So what we did is that we created a discount code that would bring down the game warp price to, to the price that you would get in a bundle. And we set a, a time limit on it. And we used our newsletter to basically send messages that your code for like, to, do not miss your bundle and then get the better price, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and there were several of these emails. And yeah, and basically it, it worked really well. Um, it worked so well that in January we had the biggest revenue ever, right? In, yes. in our company. Yes. Okay. So, so it works really great. Yeah, it works really, okay. really Interesting. Well. Very interesting. So closing one, um, what are your plans for now for the future? I think uh, you've covered this a bit uh, already, but um, let's just summarize for uh, RiftCut. Uh, what are you going to do uh, for next, uh, I don't know, uh, six to 12 months? Okay, so in the upcoming weeks, we have two ViewRidge updates, which are a bit overdue, but due to the coronavirus, we had to postpone a bit because we had to um, change our habits a bit because we're working from home right now. Uh, then we are going to probably re work and release a standalone game warp technology because right now it works with with Vridge as an extension for mobile headsets. We want to create game warp for PC VR headsets dedicated, uh, and then the, probably our mobile game will be uh, in a developed enough stage to to start some open tests or something like that but uh it's hard to tell because it's um the the release dates are shifting and um and we were never really good at, uh, at determining when we will release something so so yeah that, that's the plan for for this year at least so in short updating vridge creating standalone game warp and then releasing our mobile okay game. and are you planning to uh, maybe hire some uh, proper salespeople or marketing people or not um that's, that's a tricky question i know that but uh, i always ask about this when i talk to startups because you know it's not that popular for startups to hire proper salespeople and you know marketing people yeah because they are hard to find i mean it's it's not like we never tried. It's just that people that are uh, that we are trying to recruit usually don't know much more than than I do. So because I have the advantage of uh, having the experience with Virage so far, um, but uh, we could afford, I'd say, five more people even to work on Virage. But the problem is that because Virage is such a specific technology, it requires knowledge of multitude of technologies etc and also our return on investments are um uh, when it comes to marketing are not positive then we can't really um we can't really um how to uh, we can't really just we can't really justify keeping someone to do these jobs because Basically, they will not earn more than, than it is worth. For for example, for, for the marketing, right? For the development, it's hard to simply find a programmer that will be able to handle uh, this technology stack. So what we are planning to do is that we, that's why we want to enter the mobile uh, mobile gaming industry. And that's what I meant by, by being simpler. It's going to be much, much simpler, simpler to um, recruit a developer that can use Unity for games, right? 
it's much easier than saying, okay, we need a software developer that knows C++, media streaming technology, C-sharp, WPF with Java, Android SDK, and, and it would be also great if you could develop iOS apps for, for, for Apple, right? So that's the thing for developers. And for the marketing guys, it's also much simpler because VRich is like a niche technology in a niche market. No one knows it. And how can we find someone who has any experience in, in like marketing, like utility application? And for mobile gaming, it's much different because there are people who marketed mobile gaming, mobile games, and they, they, or games, and they know, generally know the idea of this industry. So we don't have to like teach them from the very beginning what's 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 it all about, and maybe they can show us something. So our all our recruitment plans are being postponed until we release the mobile game. We learn from it what what we could uh, what we can do what what we can earn from this because we assume that our first game doesn't have to be like extremely successful. It's just going to be uh, a, a, like a learning process when we will figure out what works and what, what not. And then we'll be ready to extend the team. Marek, congratulations on everything you've done so far. It's great that this technology has been developed in Poland. I'm really glad for that. Uh, say congratulations to your team as well. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I hope that in a year we'll be you could invite me again and then we will talk like, Marek, how do you build a huge comp corporation like Riftcat is right now with over 500 employees? <laughs> Perfect. So. Brilliant. I wish you all the best, Marek. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Best wishes.